0: Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Hey, I am Pastor Amanda. I serve as an associate pastor here. Welcome to City of Life Church. We're glad that you're here. We're talking about soul today as we continue our series. And I personally am really excited to share the word with you because I believe God has something special for each of us. I don't believe it's an accident that you're in the room today. I don't believe it's an accident that you're watching online today. God has something to speak directly to our souls. And we're gonna go on this journey together. Obviously, as we caveat with all the movies in our summer series, we're not necessarily promoting that you watch the movie. We're especially not promoting that you see movies for theology. This one talks a lot about the afterlife and it did not consult the Bible when they created this movie. However, I believe that we can learn about God anywhere we look. Because God created humanity, it all began with him. And so whatever humans create has the fingerprints of God on it. And so we can see God's character. We can see God's principles at work. And so we're going to look at the movie Soul today as our baseline. How many of you saw that movie? It came out last year. Awesome. Okay, good majority of the room. It's a very fun movie, Disney, Pixar, and just like what we witnessed, it has some phenomenal jazz music. It is a great soundtrack movie. But the plot, for those of you who may not be aware, our main character, Joe Gardner, is a jazz musician, and jazz is his life, became his passion. Even though he resisted it as a young boy, it eventually got bit by the jazz bug. and. He experienced some rejections over his career. Some things didn't quite go the way he thought it would. He didn't quite have the big break that he thought he would. And he settles for a lesser version of his career as a middle school band director. And if any of you ever practiced a mus- uh, an instrument in middle school, you can imagine how phenomenal it sounds. Um, I was horrible. and so. Joe is kind of left to craving more. He wants his big break. He feels like maybe if he gets to play with someone famous, then he'll feel fulfilled. Then his life's purpose will be reached. And so he can kind of go through some depressive states, some moody states, kind of questioning his purpose in life, questioning if he's doing anything of value. And then he gets his big break. He gets to play with one of the most famous jazz singers and saxophone players. And he's so excited that he got his big break, that he's running around the city on his phone, telling everyone the good news, and he's not paying attention and he falls into an open manhole and dies. Climax, I know, but it's like the beginning of the movie so then Joe goes to the afterlife. And this is where obviously, you know, we can use some discernment about reality, but he figures out a way to trick the system and he becomes a mentor to soul number 22. If you picture how many souls have lived in the universe, you can imagine how long soul number 22 has resisted going to earth. Soul 22 has been mentored by the likes of Gandhi and former presidents and Mother Teresa, and soul 22 still refuses to go to earth. And so Joe is assigned to 22 and told, Help 22 find their spark. And so Joe is trying to help this soul find its purpose. Maybe that is what will propel this soul to go to earth. We'll talk a little bit more about the plot in a little bit, but this sets up our main text for today. And if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, I'm gonna ask you to open to Ecclesiastes chapter eight. And I wanna set up the book of Ecclesiastes before you read this verse. The book of Ecclesiastes, if you just kind of read it on the surface level, it is a very depressing, moody book. Because all throughout the book, he says, I've explored getting the greatest pleasures in life. I withheld no pleasurable thing from me. And yet it was all kind of meaningless. And then I worked really hard and I pushed myself and I was driven and I achieved and I conquered. And yet it was all kind of meaningless. And so he comes to these, this conclusion that the extremes are meaningless. And the only things we can really focus on in this life are fulfilling our vows to God, and he encourages us to fulfill them quickly, and to find people to walk alongside in this life. Those are the only ways to walk forward in a healthy way, which leads us to Ecclesiastes chapter eight, verse 15. And he says, so I commend the enjoyment of life. Or another version says, so I recommend having fun. Because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life God has given them under the sun. Today, we're talking about soul. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to look into your word. Thank you for the opportunity to rest in your presence. We don't ever wanna take that lightly or forget about it or take it for granted. Thank you, God, that as we look into your word, we can grow. We can see more of your character and learn your heart. We can see things from your perspective. In your presence, we can have fun. In your presence, we can be challenged. And Lord, help us to lean into this moment with you. Help us to be present in this moment to gain everything you would have for us to gain. And as a church body right now, we join our faith together and our prayers and our hope for all of those in South Florida in the Surfside area. Lord, we weep with those who are weeping today. We are rejoicing with those who are rejoicing. We are hoping with those who are hoping. We are believing for miracles to come out of this situation. We pray that you be with the first responders to give them supernatural creativity and energy as they, re- as they pursue these rescue efforts, God. Thank you, Lord, that you will come through, that you are faithful. We trust you and we love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. We hear this word, soul, a lot in church. We hear it in our worship music. Certainly, if you look it up in the Bible, there are hundreds of verses about soul. Even as I studied for this, I felt like Dr. Gary, because I was like, there's hundreds of verses. How do I have time to talk about all of these? There is a lot that the word teaches us about our soul. And yet, do we really have an understanding of what our soul is, why God created it, what our soul's purpose is. That's what we're gonna explore together today. And this movie is just such a great setup point. But for us to understand why do we have a soul? What is the soul's purpose? We have to go to our origin story as humanity. And both Genesis chapter one and chapter five teach us that as human beings, mankind was created In the image of God or in other words God created us just like him he created us very similarly with similar attributes similar elements and we can learn that God is a tripartite being God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit and just like that we are also in three parts first Thessalonians teaches us that we have a body a soul and a spirit. And if God created something very intentionally, God doesn't do something flippantly. He doesn't do something on accident. I think there's actually a lot of importance to our body, to our soul, and to our spirit. It's not that one is more important than the other, but sometimes we can understand one more than the other. Our body's pretty obvious. 1 Corinthians Chapter six, verses 19 through 20 teach us that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That our body is not our own, it was bought with a price. The body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our body is where the Holy Spirit chooses to live. That's kind of a wild thought because if I could pick anywhere to live, I would probably pick like Maui or Bali or something like that and yet God chose you to make his home within. What a privilege. That's kind of wild, like I don't even know if I would have picked me, but God picked you and he picked me to make his home in. So the body's pretty obvious, and then the soul and the spirit have a lot of crossover. They have a lot of interaction. Sometimes it's hard to distinguish one from the other, but especially as believers, we can see a few distinctions. Our spirit man is to connect with the spirit of God. There are certain things we can connect with God in the spirit that the earth, the world, the natural man isn't going to understand. And thank God there are ways we can connect with him in the spirit that even the forces of hell can't understand because it is something supernatural. The soul, this is what we're studying today. The soul has so many elements to it. The spirit is where we can truly connect with God and fully experience his power and his grace. I'm a church kid. I grew up in church and I often heard the soul broken down into three simple categories. And I really like this because it's easy to remember. If as human beings, we are body, soul, and spirit, the soul is our mind, will, and emotions. It's the best way to remember what is the soul. It's our mind, our will, our emotions. And I'm so glad we're diving into this today, because the soul is an area of humanity that, at least in recent times, is under one of the greatest attacks. I know I feel it. I know I have wrestled with my soul being healthy, with being able to rely on God and let God into my mind, my will, and my emotions, And thankfully, modern psychology has given us a lot of tools, a lot of language, a lot of diagnoses to help us understand. But humanity has had soul issues since humanity began. Remember Ecclesiastes, how depressive the tone is, how um, so many of the poetic books of the Old Testament, uh, we see King David, he's like, life is awful, just take my life, God, it's just get it over with. And then we see his anger crush my enemy's teeth into powder. Like, we see the scale and the range of emotions throughout humanity. I think sometimes we get scared of emotions. And we forget, actually, God created them. And everything God created, he said it is good. And so this isn't a topic we have to be scared about addressing in church. We just have to remember how to look at it from a healthy biblical perspective. And it is not the pastor answer or the Christian answer to say that whatever we need in any season, God's word has the solution. Because I know that can sound cheesy and cliche, but it is truth. It is reality that we build our lives upon, that God offers us counsel and wisdom for every step of our journey, including how to have a healthy soul. So that's what we're gonna dive into today. And when we follow God's ways, it unlocks supernatural blessing. You see, anytime God gives us an instruction, it is always for our good, for our flourishing, and for our benefit. We have a five-year-old, and there are, uh, something we're working on now is he'll answer one of our instructions starting with the word, but. Either, but why? Or, but I don't want to. And our language has has to been, well, guess what? You're not in charge, so put on your shoes, because I told you to put on your shoes. In the most loving Christian voice possible, always. But what he doesn't understand is when we give an instruction, like don't touch the hot stove, or put on your shoes, or go brush your teeth, there is lots of reasons behind those instructions, and they are all for his good. And yet, if it doesn't go with his timeline or his desires, he will object. He will try to get out of it. How often do we, as grown-ups, look into the word of God and say, God, yeah, I like some of this, but I don't like that. This isn't on my timeline. This isn't to my comfort. This isn't how I want to do things. And God gives us the free will to pitch a five-year-old attitude But then we are blocking the blessing that he has for us. And so one of the foundational instructions he gives his people is in Deuteronomy. And we're going to read this together. And it's Deuteronomy 6, 5. It says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Why would this be one of the foundational instructions that God gives his people? it's not so that he can hoard all our love. Yes, I got their love. It's all mine. It is because he knows when we focus all our heart, all our soul, all our strength on him, life is going to be a little bit easier for us because life is problematic. And if we try to do things our own way, we are adding more issues to the, to the mix. But if we lean on Jesus and we focus all our love, all our soul, all our strength on him, we're going to have the energy and the blessing and the protection to actually go somewhere in our lives. Heart and soul are often paired together in scripture, just like we read here in Deuteronomy. And in the Hebrew, heart, the definition of heart means the middle or the center, um, the inner part. So what this is saying, what love the Lord your God with all your heart, it's saying Love God with the core of who you are, the center. Everything flows out of the center. And then soul has a lot of definitions. So we can hold on to the handle of mind, will, and emotions, but it also means a breathing creature, the seat of our appetites, emotions, and passions, and the activity of our mind, will, and character. The soul has a lot to it. The seat of our appetites, emotions, and passions, the activity of our mind, will, and character. And then I actually love the first one a lot a breathing creature. Once again, going back to our origin in Genesis, you know, God said, Let there be light. He spoke with words, and light came to existence. Let there be plants and fruiting trees, and the plants appeared. Let there be stars and galaxies, and the stars and galaxies appeared. But with man, he said, he formed man from the dust of the ground. But man wasn't a living being until he breathed his breath into mankind. We have a soul because God breathed his soul into us. God gave us his soul. The Greek word for breath of God is suhe. I'm showing my nerd card here. I own it. Suhe, do you know how it reads in English? Psyche. Our psyche, though what we think of as our humanity, is actually the breath of God. Wow. Wow. This can sound a little overwhelming because this famous instruction from Deuteronomy we can also read about in the New Testament, it's instructing us to love God from the core of who we are with all of our breath our psyche, with all of our emotions, passions, thoughts, drive, will, and character. That's a lot. How do we love God with all of that when, to be honest, we're also busy loving other things too? I don't think I'm alone in that. What role does our soul have in loving God? And we need to understand three crucial things outlined by Scripture about our souls so we can truly understand why God gave us a soul, what our soul functions with. So, number one, we have to understand origin. And I've used that word a lot. Can you just put your hand on your heart and say, My soul belongs to God? First, our origin, our soul belongs to God. And this should be a fairly easy theological concept to wrap our head around. Because if we believe God created everything, then it's a pretty easy leap to believe he created our soul. He created our body. He created the family and the country that we come from. God created everything. So it belongs to him because he made it. And then Jesus redeemed it on the cross. So not only did he create it, but he also purchased it. So our soul truly belongs to God. Ezekiel 18.4 teaches that God created our souls. He redeemed them. And just like our body, we wouldn't have a soul if it wasn't for God. So all of creation, our very existence, is from God, by God, through God, and for God. And yet we still think life revolves around us sometimes. (laughs) I'm guilty. So number one, origin, my soul belongs to God. Number two, value. Put your hand on your heart and say, my soul is priceless. priceless. I don't think we believe that all the time. My soul is priceless. That word priceless is actually the opposite of no value. Priceless means it has such great worth that you can't put a number on it to define it. It's too great. It's worth too much. We can't comprehend how much our soul is worth. I like to think of myself as a sophisticated person. However, if you've ever been inside an art gallery, that will make you question all sophistication in your life. (laughs) I'm not good at art. Um, First of all, I can't draw to save my life. So never pick me if it's a drawing competition. You do not want me on your team. But if you've ever been in an art gallery, you can look at like a painting, a portrait, a sculpture, and you're like, oh, $50. Okay, yeah, that that'll look good on the wall in my house. That, that makes sense. This painting, $500,000. What is the difference? Because they look the same to me. And art isn't valued based on the material that's used to create the art. Art is most often valued by the creator, by how famous the artist is. And so if we were to define our human worth based on the dust of the ground, we wouldn't be worth very much. But because the artist was the creator of heaven and earth, that he put his fingerprints on you, that he breathed his breath into you, you are a work of art and you are priceless. I don't know what words were spoken over you in your childhood or even in adulthood, but you have value. You have worth. You are called. You are chosen. You are wanted. You are loved. You are seen. You have so much purpose within you. God chose to make you his dwelling place. God chose to put his fingerprints on you. God chose to breathe his breath into you. Your soul is priceless. And if you know anything about art, if a famous artist releases a limited collection, let's say there's only 25 prints in the whole world, the value increases because it's rare. You might have been aware of this, but in the context of this conversation, I want to remind you, there is no one on Earth who has your fingerprint. There is no one on Earth who has your DNA. You are an individual soul work of art. You have the most value. It can't even compare to the person sitting next to you because you both have infinite value. And I'm spending so much time talking about this because we forget it. If we really believed our souls had value, we would treat our heart a little differently. We would be mindful what we allow ourselves to meditate on and the thoughts we entertain. We would hold our head a little bit higher and not allow certain people to treat us certain ways. We would guard the value within us, and yet we forget our soul is priceless. Much like the movie, our individual souls are inspired by different things. Some of us are inspired by music. Some of us are inspired by art. If you can teach me things about paintings, let me know. Some of us are inspired by nature. Some of us are inspired by achieving things or getting recognition. Some of us are inspired by conversations or the sound of the ocean. There's all different kinds of inspiration that fills our soul or that lights up our soul. And God created these things. They are blessings. It is not evil to want to achieve something. It is not bad to want the next best guitar, Pastor. It's not bad. God created those things for us to explore and enjoy in this life. Rachel Cruz, the daughter of the famous Dave Ramsey, says it this way. It is okay to have nice things. It's not okay to let nice things have you. If we are pursuing things because it delights us and because it's a way we can honor God and worship God and enjoy this life, what a beautiful gift. But if we are consuming things to try to fill an empty space in our life, we will always be searching because things cannot fulfill our soul. We go to the world to give us value, but the world's broke. They can't afford the price of your soul. Matthew 16, 26, Jesus says it this way. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? We don't give our soul that much value to compare it to what the world has to offer? This is a different perspective that we have to embrace. And if our mind is moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts, are we moving towards self-fulfillment or are we moving toward the purpose that God has planted within us? What are we allowing to drive our soul? Remember our text from Ecclesiastes? The writer instructs all throughout the book that it's meaningless to pursue pleasure, It's meaningless to pursue achievement. The world can't afford what your soul is worth. We will not find it in exterior places. It's kind of a preacher faux pas to preach somebody else's sermon. But I came across a sermon almost 200 years old by the late, great Charles Spurgeon. And he describes the soul in such a beautiful way that I want to share a portion of his message with you. And when you find script that is over 200 years old, they use slightly different language. So it stands out to us. We might catch something different. Much like when you read a script over 2,000 years old, it might stand out to you and you might learn something from it. But Charles Spurgeon said this, you may tell how serious it is to lose the soul from its intrinsic value. The soul is a thing worth 10,000 worlds. In fact, a thing with worlds on worlds heaped together like sand upon the seashore could not buy. It is more precious than if the ocean had each drop of itself turned into golden globe, for all that wealth could not buy a soul. Consider, the soul is made in the image of its maker. God made man, it said, in his own image. The soul is an everlasting thing like God. God gifted it with immortality. And hence, it is precious. To lose it then, how fearful. Consider how precious a soul must be when both God and the devil are after it. Consider then how precious your soul must be When both God and the enemy are after your soul, our soul is priceless. So, first, origin my soul belongs to God. Second, value my soul is priceless. And third, restoration. Put your hand on your heart. The year of rebuild, restore, revive, we're going there. Say, my soul continually needs healing. That might be hard to say sometimes. My soul continually needs healing. I shared a little bit about this, but of all the places of struggle in my life, the soul has been one of the biggest. I own that. I'm on the scale of glass half full, glass half empty. Your girl is a glass half empty. And I've been allowing God to refine that and to challenge that within me. But being very honest, I've lived in, lived in church, literally slept on these pews, actually. But I've been in church my whole life, and it's not like I had this encounter with God and boop, all the negative thoughts have just been erased from my brain. I'm so holy and wonderful. No, I have to continually go to Jesus to renew my mind, to make within me a clean heart. I have to continually rely on Jesus because our soul is something that can be affected by the outside circumstances of life. In the book of Job, Job described it as my bitter soul must complain. He was going through one of the most horrific events in life, and he said, my soul has gotten bitter to the point where my soul needs to complain. I need to vent. I need to say some things. Even Jesus, as he was facing the cross, he said, my soul is crushed with grief, and my soul is deeply troubled. Yet, this is the reason I came to earth. And so even Jesus recognized, okay, my soul is feeling some things. This is really overwhelming. And then he reminded his soul of his purpose. Yeah, this is really hard. And yet, this is why I'm here. I can do this. I can rely on the strength of God. I don't have to rely on my own strength. You've probably heard us, if you've been at City of Life for a little while, you've probably heard us specifically say, we don't say, follow your heart, because that's dumb. That's right. That's right. Because if we follow our heart, it will take us to places that we actually didn't intend to go. That's right. That's right. That's so good. If we are in an emotional place, our heart might take us to Chick-fil-A every single day. Except for Sunday. <laughs> and though it is the Lord's chicken, man cannot live on chicken alone. You need some salad, friends. You need some blueberries, round it out a little bit. If we are not careful, our soul could lead us to the mall or to Amazon, hoping that buying something will fill the void. If we're not careful, our soul could lead us to an ex's house or an ex's DM looking to have some fulfillment. Our soul can lead us to a substance for much longer than we anticipated to entertain that substance. We have to be so careful about what we allow our soul to do when we are in brokenness. And as adults, I think we have to unlearn some things because we began with the breath of God and then life circumstances and broken people have shaped our soul and our self-talk. And there's some things we have to unlearn. There are some things in our souls right now that are not helpful that we have to unlearn and replace with the truth of God's word. It's really hard to unlearn something. Our appetites, emotions, passions, mind, and will are constantly changing. Hopefully our character isn't constantly changing unless it's becoming more like Jesus. But if our character is swinging like a pendulum, that's something we have to address but I don't know about you, my emotions change multiple times a day. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. My passions have gone in different directions in different seasons of life. I know, and I will say it in front of everybody, I have a strong will. (laughs) And so we have to learn, what does it look like to Renew our soul so that we can be transformed to become more like Christ. For a healthy soul, our appetites need to learn discipline. Our emotions need healing. Our passions must be directed in a healthy way. Our mind needs renewal. Our will must learn submission. And our character needs cultivation. The problem is we hope slash believe that now that I'm a Christian, change will just fall on me like Holy Spirit fairy dust and I'll be good. And we don't recognize that because God gave us free will, because God made us in his image, it is our individual responsibility to walk out the change, to walk out becoming more like him and drawing closer to him. God is supernatural and healing can occur in one moment. Breakthrough can occur in one moment. And God is a God of process. He created process and healing can occur by walking out the process. One moment in his presence can change everything and we have to walk it out. Ecclesiastes, so I recommend having fun. I commend the enjoyment of life because there's nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days that God has given them under the sun. This verse borderline sounds dangerous to preach because neither the Bible nor I am saying, do whatever you want, free for all, have fun. No, that is not what this verse is saying. But in fact, this verse is calling our attention to ask an important question. Where is my soul's contentment and joy found? Where is my contentment? Where is my joy? It's a great thing to have drive, to want to achieve certain things, to want to be who God has called you to be, to want to fulfill dreams and vision and passion. It's a great thing but where are we being driven to? Some of us are driven to fun and we just seek high after high and event after event because we're looking for our soul to be fulfilled. And there's never enough. We always have to go for more. Some of us are driven to laziness and the world is too much. I need to just hide and cocoon and comfort and feel good. Maybe I will feel fulfilled if I feel good inside. Some of us are driven to success. Like Joe Gardner, our protagonist in Soul, I will feel amazing when I get my big break. I'll I'll feel what I want to feel when people know my name. I'll feel what I want to feel when I finish the degree or publish the book or whatever the achievement is. But if we're trying to be driven to a location We will never be content because once you get there, you realize, oh, that feeling isn't there. So I need to achieve something else, or I need to pursue another event or another high or another relationship. And we will constantly be in pursuit. What if our drive wasn't meant to take us to a place or a position, but to a person? What if Jesus placed those dreams and visions and passions in your heart so that you could lay them at his feet and he could fulfill them with you? We weren't meant to do life alone. And if greatness can't be found in things, that has to lead me to believe greatness can only be found in him. Are we capable of being content in today? Without the achievement, without the checklist perfectly done, without the finish line, without the acknowledgement, are we capable of being content that God woke us up with breath in our lungs and planted us in a church family? Are we content with today and all of its imperfections? Can we find gratitude? Can we find joy? Can we find gratefulness? I think it's a challenge. Do I really believe that if I have Jesus, I have everything? When our soul can can learn to be content in this season with its imperfections, with its lack, with its difficulty, with its toil, like Ecclesiastes, that is how we find joy every day of our lives. And our world is living without joy on the daily. Joy is for the weekend or joy is for the high, or joy is for the wedding day. We, we delay our joy because we can't learn to be content in the here and the now. Our emotions, cravings, and passions often get a bad reputation, especially as Christians because we're trying to learn how to be disciplined. We're trying to learn how to die to ourselves, how to pick up the, cra- the cross of Christ. And all of those things are biblical. And also, if our life looks just as depressed and anxious as people without Christ, what sets us apart? If we go to work with the same deadpan face as everybody else, who is going to ask us, wow, what do you have going on in your life? When we can live life to the fullest, when we can enjoy what God has provided to us, when we can pursue the passions that he has put into our heart, that's when we are set apart. That's when we look different from everybody else around us. Our soul represents our unique individual humanity, but its purpose is to express God to humanity. See, there's so much greatness and beauty and passion about God that you by yourself couldn't display it all. That's why we're different. That's why God gave us all these different passions. It's a reflection of who he is. That if you love music, you can love God through music. If art inspires you, art can inspire you to know the heart of God. Connecting with others is a way to connect with God. Those things that God have provided are indeed blessings and ways for you to live out your soul. So write the book, even with your lack of knowledge. Practice the instrument, even though that one part is so hard. Study the craft that still intimidates you. Pursue the class, even though you don't know if you're cut out for it. Put down your to-do list and play with someone that you love. Practice gratitude and cultivate contentment. Live life in a way that fills your soul so that you are full of life to share that expression of God with others. At the end, Joe gets a second chance come back to earth and live his life. And they say, what are you going to do? How are you going to spend your life? And he said, I don't know, but I'm going to live every minute of it. Every minute can have purpose. Every moment can bring joy. And life truly begins once we meet Jesus. If you're feeling tired and your soul is weary today, Jesus extends an invitation in Matthew 11, come take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus provides true rest. If you feel like your drive for life has died, Psalm 19:7 says, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Remember how I said, God never gives an instruction to boss us around, but to revive us, to restore us, to give us rest. And so today I have an invitation for everybody in the room. If you know my soul needs revival, I need to reconnect with the God-given dreams and passions in my life. I want to have that supernatural rest. I want my soul to be revived. Would you just right where you are, close your eyes, put your hand on your heart, talk to Jesus for a second. Ask him to revive you. Ask him to bring restorative rest to your soul, to your life, wherever you are. You have the power to reach out to him. And if you've never met Jesus, I'm gonna invite you to do that at this time. If you realize I need someone to restore my soul, I've been trying to do it all on my own. I've never invited Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I've never surrendered my life to him, but I need a savior. I need Jesus. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up in the air, just as a a symbol saying, I'm reaching out for Jesus. I'm clinging to him. I'm surrendering my life to him. I'm making him the Lord of my life. And if you're watching online, you can join us in this prayer. Speak it out loud. Church, let's say this prayer all together. Father God, thank you for choosing me Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for my sins so that I can walk away from this old life and step into a new life with you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me new. Help me live out. Jesus first. Jesus always. In every element of my life, From this day forward, my soul trusts in you. In Jesus' name, amen. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.